Welcome again to another episode of PFL. I'm your host, David Ubbin, here with Joe Rexroad, Nashville columnist. Joe, we're on site together once again, AFCA convention in Nashville, Tennessee. A lot of folks, Butch Jones ran into him earlier today, Bobby Petrino today, Matt Rule. I mean, every coach is here. This convention is always uh, an interesting deal. You had a, an interesting weekend chasing the Titans around, chasing me around in, in Opryland. How you doing? Welcome to Nashville. They, <laughs> I don't get over here very often. I don't get over here very often. That's right. Yeah, yeah. lots I, of food options here at, at, at Opryland. I was disappointed. I went to go get a pretzel earlier. They had no caramel dips. Ooh. I bailed on the pretzel. I had my first Carville ice cream experience. I mean, it was fine. It okay. Was good. Okay. Uh, a lot to talk about, Joe. Yeah. A lot of new vols. A lot of surprisingly current vols. Uh, I suppose we should start with Trey Smith. Uh, obviously a big decision, a surprising decision. He's still a vault. I think all season everybody assumed Trey was gone. I did. I wrote a couple things sort of writing along those lines. And yet, uh, to quote Peyton Manning, you know, he's uh, – he didn't want to have ever look back, something along those lines. I butchered that quote, so my apologies. Yeah, we, we got what you meant. Yeah, we got You're you. You're in the ballpark there. I got to say, in the moment, uh, having not been a Tennessee historian, uh, the impact of the quote was lost on me. But very quickly, you figure that those things out. What did you make of, of Trey sticking around? Well, I was surprised. I, I won't lie. I was surprised. And I always feel like kids should, you know, they should, they should, make decisions in their best self-interest. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of decisions made that are not in their self-interest in this sport. And Trey Smith has a chance to make a lot of money playing professional football. So if I was advising him, I would have said, go. Um, get paid while you have a chance now. You can make a nest egg and be set for life. And Or, you know, maybe it doesn't work out. It's a short career, but still you've got money to establish yourself that most people don't have an opportunity to, to do so I always feel like I'm usually on the go 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 default I understand the idea of proving I guess that you know you can be healthy for an extended period and maybe that raises stock a year from now so mm-hmm. I get that but I also I really think with him David that and I don't know that this would be all that common anymore I really feel like this is also a Love Tennessee, love the program decision. And as he mentioned, it's of course, it's a degree decision, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot to it. I think so. I think two things. I think you're right about loving Tennessee and loving being around it, loving the college experience and doing what he really always wanted to do. But then also the flip side of that is I was surprised at his stock um, because I think – you know, let's not make this what it is not in that when Peyton Manning came back, and, of course, the, the comparison's imperfect, to say the least, but when he's quoting him, there's obviously going to be parallels there. Peyton Manning was going to be a top three, top five pick, yes. you know, uh, maybe, a, maybe a number one pick. That's You're literally turning down millions of dollars to come back to Tennessee. I don't know that Trey is turning down millions of dollars. He's turning down probably a day two pick deal. So it's a significant amount of money. Um, but I think obviously he's sort of betting on himself and believing that he can make himself and prove himself as a, a day one pick. Maybe a first round pick. I still think he's a first round talent. Agreed. But I've, I've talked to a lot of NFL people over the last year about Trey and his situation. And the word that keeps coming up is complicated when they're trying to make their assessment of his draft stock and his situation. I've heard the word complicated. Maybe every single person that I've talked to has used that exact word um, because of that. Now, I think, too, 
borderline bombshell in the middle of that Chris Clink coming out and saying that the 2018 situation was not a recurrence of blood clots, which we did not know until uh, last week. Uh, that was very, very interesting that they thought it was. Everyone assumed it was because they said so in a release. They did some more studies. Apparently it was not. I have to think if I'm from an NFL perspective, that helps his case. But you also have to look at it from an NFL perspective. If you're an NFL GM, you're looking at guys. you got to love Trey Smith's talent. That's pretty obvious. But he practiced twice all last season. That's I didn't realize it was that rare. I thought it was twice in camp, and then I thought it was like kind of once a week sort of. No, 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 no. He did two full contact practices the entirety of the season. They're hoping, they're hoping that come camp he can do one practice a week. If you're an NFL team, talk about complicated. I mean, do you want to sign up for that? That's that's. This is just, it's a weird situation. And, and, and the thing that we haven't really heard because, you know, Chris Clink didn't take questions is, is this something that's going to have to be forever? Whoever drafts him, are they drafting the situation also? Or is there a situation where he can be practicing full-time? So I, I think, you know, I think ultimately his stock, you know, he said that the draft advisory committee told him to come back. I think ultimately his stock was not quite what people thought it was. Um, the talent is ra- is obviously there, um, and so I think that definitely influences decision. I think when you when you look at it from that perspective, the decision was less surprising than it was in the moment. In the moment, I had to catch myself because I was like, "Did I hear that correctly?" Like, legitimately, <laughs> I held off on like tweeting it back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "I want to read some other tweets that say what I yeah, think I heard." I was like, I, "I'm pretty sure I heard that," but I was like, yeah. "But I I wasn't sure." Uh, and so it, it's a it's a fascinating situation. Um, you feel bad for him because it is a difficult situation. It's still unfair. I was glad that that he was able to play this year, and it's good for him because Trey. I mean, he's a really good kid. A well, great and kid. It, yes, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter now. I think it will matter next year. Through all this, once he starts talking to teams, I promise you, some of them would have fallen in love with him and said, "You know what? Yeah, he's too good, and this is too great a guy to add to your locker room to not." Take the so I, you know, I think he probably would have gone higher than the advisory board guessed this year, mm-hmm. and I think it'll help him go higher next year. And but hey, yeah, if he does increase his practice, there's no more issues with this. Has a great year with potentially a stronger offensive line, which helps showcase even more. You win more, all that stuff, um, and then comes out of this on the other side, then you know, it may end up being something that also makes him a lot of money with a one-year wait. You, know, you talk about the offensive line, which cues up perfectly. Nice segue for you. Cues up perfectly into our next uh, our next topic. Uh, Cade May's situation happened fast, but maybe not that fast. I will say, you know, signing day, there was all you, – you, know, you saw multiple recruits sort of alluding to this like, oh, just wait, just wait. Me personally, I think this was was simmering for a while. The, the, you heard chatter about, oh, they think they can flip Cade once they get Cooper. It felt pretty, eh, okay, maybe that's wishful thinking at the time. Obviously, it was not. Cade Mays, officially a Tennessee volunteer. Will he be on the field this season? A very fascinating lawsuit. Uh, what did you make of uh, both the the containment of the lawsuit of sort of the the details of it the 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 severed finger partially amputated pinky and also the timing of the lawsuit filed in december december 5th while he was still tenant well still georgia still i believe that was the week of the sec championship or maybe the day after i forget the exact timing but also 
two years after it happened. What, what did you make of of, uh, of the circumstances of that lawsuit? All I have to say is SEC, SEC. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, man. It is just amazing. <laughs> you know, I look. I mean, I know I know what immediately goes through my mind. It, you know, it's like, wait a minute. So now this is a big thing. We you know, with the, three and a half million dollars with the University of Georgia and uh, the chair manufacturing company. Yeah, uh, but, but you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I know how it looks, and I also, of course, apparently, and, and you'll have to help me out because I honestly didn't see where it came out first. Mm-hmm. But apparently, you know, the, you know that. It, yeah, the allegation that it was sort of leaked on purpose to, so, hey, everybody, yes. this is what's so, going on for real Georgia, from Georgia. So a Georgia Rivals reporter was the first place that I believe I saw it, and I believe that was the first place where it sort of broke. Tom Mars, uh, famously uh, immediate eligibility expert, he's, he's made a, um, a, a living doing this. Uh, I've corresponded with him a little bit since it started. Alleged that Georgia had leaked this to writers. Georgia said no. We did not do that. Uh, we're not going to, you know, argue this in the court of public opinion, but they wanted to clear the air, responding to that report, saying, no, it wasn't us. Tom Mars, one of the great press releases of all time, the dog face emoji and the lying emoji, <laughs> the growing nose. Listen, if we can get more emojis and press releases, I'm all for that. One of the, like, seriously, I have laughed about that at least ten times since I, since I saw it. Because first of all, it's just funny in general. It's also pretty spicy. Basically, without saying it, his his intimation is, hey, when Georgia says they did not leak that, they're lying. I don't know. Maybe that's true. I do know Georgia completely caught off guard by this whole situation. Not happy um, about what has happened. Uh, understandably so. I believe Cade Mays was pretty locked in to be their starting left tackle next year. A likely NFL draft pick. And now... He's a Tennessee Vol who I'm betting is going to be on the field this fall. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that, I mean, you're talking about weakening a team in the same division and then strengthening a rival in the same division next year mm-hmm. through all these circumstances. So I, yeah, I understand the frustration. Yeah, the idea that there wasn't a leak somewhat. First of all, like I always loved that too because you know how could everyone or someone at Georgia know that everyone wasn't leaking it like if someone there did yeah. then that's quote unquote <laughs> georgia leaking it right yeah so i mean like you can't how could you possibly even try to claim that it, you know but it, yeah, look it, it, this looks like the timing looks, was too suspect well, no of course and i mean the whole thing you know, looks like a convenient way for him to be eligible next year i think it's a, a leverage play maybe tennessee or, or the mays family gets gets money out of this but i think also you know if they settle which i'm I'm betting it's probably what's going to happen. I'm betting that part of the terms of the settlement are going to be we'll do whatever we can to help Cooper, I mean, or Cade get, get eligible. Now. Through gritted teeth. Yes, of Gritted course. teeth emoji. Yes. Well, you know, don't don't chop off recruits' parents' fingers. That, that'd be my recruiting That's advice. That's Yeah, I mean, that, that just the story itself <laughs> is insane. <laughs> the finger, uh, yeah, really I believe hurts exactly if you think about shot it. Shot across How awful the. would that be? I can't even, like, uh I'm getting lightheaded just like thinking about it. I don't do well with blood, and that's uh, ugh. now. And they tried to, I mean, rush it to the. I mean, oh, it's, what it's was it? Uh, uh, I believe who was it that they? Uh, was it Sam Pittman that that picked up the finger? Right, put, Pittman. Yeah, put it on yes. ice. First of all, respect the uh, the head on a swivel, quick acting, and good hustle. Listen, you gotta you gotta react. Uh, but uh, you know, I, big picture though, 
I'm amazed at where this offensive line is because I think you look at this offensive line and what they, what they threw out there in 2018, that was not a good group. Maybe some of those guys make some money later in their career. It's possible. You know, Ryan Johnson and his folks definitely believe that, that he can play, he can be a pro, just a different type of offensive lineman, not a guy that fits into this system and, and hadn't done great in this system. But you basically go from, you know, maybe zero pros in 2018 after Trey Smith is out to now they probably have four NFL draft picks on this offensive line. That is insane, and that has happened in basically a year and a half that you flipped that roster. Technically, even just a year. You get Wanya Morris, Darnell Wright through recruiting. You get Trey Smith back. You add Cade Mays, and then, of course, Brandon Kennedy. Maybe he's a pro as well. He's healthy. Um, he's at least a he's a he's a cagey veteran. Yeah. A nice to he have was their a second be- He was their second best offensive lineman this year behind Trey Smith. He was really because the tackles, those guys will grow up. They had some pretty rough moments this year, but the potential is oh, there. You can I think see those it. guys, yeah, you can see it. And then they're built crazy. So what is Cade Mays? In, I'm sorry, that's what my question for you is: Cade Mays playing I inside think, next I year? I think he plays. If he plays, yes, I think he does because I think you, you know, maybe Darnell Wright moves inside and plays guard. He can do both. Cade Mays played everywhere, but if you look at where they need him, I mean, left tackle. That's Wanye's spot. Trey, I don't know why you'd move him away from left guard. Maybe Trey plays outside for NFL, but I, I just think you, you need him in the running game. Too bad he likes to get after people and and. Right guard, I think, if I'm betting, that's where I think you're going to see Cade Mays. I think you've got Juan A left tackle, Trey left guard, Brandon Kennedy, absolute certainty at center. Uh, and then I think you see Cade Mays at right guard. And then I think you see Darnell Wright at right tackle. And then Karon Calvert, maybe he pushes him. Jerome Carvin will be in the mix. He can play at all three positions inside, but he's basically your backup center. All of a sudden, you went from having a terrible offensive line to a one that has you asking, I mean, how good can these guys be? Because I, I think they can be very, very good. Well, what do you make of that? No flip? question. Well, I mean, and, and you know, you, you, you think of what they're bringing back, Ty Chandler as a senior. Mm-hmm. But Eric Gray, I think, is going to take a big jump as a sophomore. We start to see it at the you. end. I think, you're, I think you have a team that can really impose itself as a running team, which really hasn't been the case. Even Those guys are talented. They've had their moments. But I think they can be a consistently powerful running game now. Uh, and that just makes everything so much easier. And it'll help the transition yeah. to, you know, adding and finding, trying to find new reliable guys on the outside, which is really the only question now that for that offense. Well, that and, oh, well, I guess quarterback too. But yeah, but we'll you're going to help your quarterback <laughs> a lot yeah. with this offensive line. Lesser known uh, or less uh, impactful news, Bills uh, Jones, USC receiver, Tennessee picks him up. I, I, I feel like this is going to be a, a more impactful pickup than people realize um, for a couple reasons. One, the opportunity is pretty obvious. You have basically Ramel Keaton coming back. You have uh, Josh Palmer, of course. I think he's your pretty much your, your number one guy. He He's looked capable of being a number one receiver this year, but you had Callaway and Jennings who are really uh, high, high-level players. So I think we'll be – they'll get a shot in the NFL. We'll see. But, I mean, that wouldn't shock me if they were in the NFL for a while. I think they'll both, I think they'll both have good NFL yeah. players. Yeah. Ramel Keaton came on kind of late. Brandon Johnson uh, decided to redshirt. He'll come back for his fifth senior and year. And that's a guy not to sleep on. You know, yeah, I liked him in some spots, too. He had a really good uh, – it was a 2017. I think he had a, a bunch of catches. But um, Vilas Jones gives them a lot of speed. And I think, too, he wasn't able to get the kind of production that he wanted at USC. But USC also had a really elite uh, group of receivers. Tennessee does not have that. And I think when you look at the speed of this group, 
they haven't had that. They haven't had this kind of speed really since Pruitt's been here. Um, there's been very, very few guys that have had that on the entire roster, and especially not at receiver. Um, you know, we've heard – you heard in preseason, like, Callaway was putting up some numbers in the 40, but, like, you watched him play, he looked kind of the same amount of speed. But, uh, you know, you put him in the slot, you put him on the outside, he's, what, I think – 5'9", 180, something like that. It's not a huge guy, but if he's a guy that can take the top off a of defense and let Palmer work a little more underneath, let Johnson work a little underneath, I think that's what they did not have all last season. What do you make of, of Tennessee adding him uh, as a grad transfer who will be eligible next year? Well, it's it's big, and you're right. They haven't had that. I mean, Callaway, look, I mean, I've always believed at receiver, if you have someone who's a great technician, who's big, strong, goes and gets the ball, runs great routes, and good speed for Callaway, then that, you know, that's still a lot of those things are more important than just speed. And you know, we know Juwan Jennings and how important and, and and how great he was for this team. Not a speedster, but having someone that you can actually, as you said, take the top off, actually make safeties think about things. That uh, that's what it's something they haven't had. So now you you throw that in, if you can utilize it and you can count on him, and you throw in this offensive line improvement, and you can see how it will look different and potentially significantly better. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, I got a question for you. I posed this question uh, on Twitter the other day. I got a variety of responses. Is Santiago Viscovi the best player on Tennessee's basketball team right now? No. All right. Why? I'm going to say and quickly no. Uh, well, I'm going to <laughs> – I have, I have two choices. I think I would go with Eve Pons. I think he has become someone who, which is crazy. I can't believe I'm saying that after last year when I just was like, I'm a good athlete. But (laughs) but honestly, I I think he's such a force on the defensive end. He rebounds. He can go inside and get you a bucket. He needs to do that more. He can also hit the outside shot. He's an all-around player. I think he's their best player. Viscovi is offensively a special guy. Now, he also is... You know he's averaging about six turnovers a game. That that's got to change. Mm-hmm. But but he's special offensively. Defensively, I think I like how he's competing. He still has a long way to go there. I always consider basketball players half the game is defense. It is half the game. We never want to think about. I that. I will say though, while I think you make a good case, I think I would make the case for him as the most valuable player on this team right now, simply because what would they do without him in terms of ball handling if they get pressed? Josiah Jordan James are gonna let him bring the ball up. Well, it would have to be. Yeah, like what? I don't even know what they would do. Like they have to have it. I mean, this team really was when they lost Lamonte Turner, and and you're basically saying, well, we don't have a point guard now, and they're looking at this 18 year old kid, this Uruguayan kid coming over from Australia that gets here like a couple days before the new year, and you're like, uh, <laughs> are they gonna go like four and 14 in the SEC? <laughs> like what is what is happening? But he is he has given them competency. And when you look at you know, listen, it's not fair to compare Lamonte Turner this season to who he really is. And that shoulder deal, you know, the amount of pain and the, the frequency of that pain, I just don't think it's fair. I think you have to throw out this year. I think it was obvious he was in a lot of pain. You watched him shoot, he just looked uncomfortable. Oh yeah. And so That wasn't him. Yeah. But what you got what you were getting out of Lamonte Turner, I, I don't think it's I think it's fair to say that the Scovey is an upgrade. And, and that is not something that I thought you'd see. Lamonte Turner, they were barely getting by at point guard. And now all of a sudden you have this guy who is fearless, can knock down some shots, which has obviously been a struggle for Lamonte. It's been a struggle 
We'll leave Jordan Bowden alone on this show, but yeah, goodness, I mean, right. goodness it's, gracious. It's hard like, to watch. Yeah. I like that he keeps shooting. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you would think he snaps out of it. But So you so you got a guy that can knock down some shots. The turnovers are an issue. Rick Barnes says he's got to get in shape. He's a better defender than people realize. Time will tell. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. So maybe he's not the best player, but I think he's the most valuable player, and I would not be shocked if we're looking up in mid-February and we can't believe we're even asking this question because I think he's still – you're still talking about a kid who is 18 – well, maybe he's 19 now. I believe he may have just turned 19. Uh, Regardless, a teenager who has been a part of this team for two weeks and now all of a sudden they're saying, hey, can you play 30 minutes? And then he does it, and he's putting up double-digit points. That The degree of difficulty, off the charts. Yeah, no, it's remarkable. There's no doubt about it. And he's a – I mean, he hits big shots. He's a great shooter. You know, Turner was was putting up big assist numbers early. Again, Turner is also a guy you can say, there's their best perimeter guy, go go guard him. That's what he did, and that's not Vescovi. So you have to take all that into account. But I think you make a good case. But if we're going to talk about – like MVP in terms of, okay, if you took this guy off the team, what would it do to the team? What if John Fulkerson wasn't on this team? Fair question. I mean, they don't have a front court, and Fair he's question. all over the place like Gumby, what? just, I, I mean, just flopping all over the place Tennessee, and no, chipping in No front and court, no back court. Where are they at on this? Yeah. Like, for real. A bunch of swingmen who are like, okay, like, all right. But, yeah, Fulkerson, that, that might have been one of his best games uh, on Saturday, though. obviously the charge, but Huge. he's giving him buckets in there, obviously a presence around the goal. That one stretch he had where it was like four possessions in a row where he's like in layups and swatting shots i mean he's all over the place he's he's uh his progression has been huge for them so you might make a decent case with fulkerson because of what's behind him they're gonna need every single one of these guys yeah absolutely and and that's the thing they're gonna need every single one of these guys to to get by i think they're i think tennessee looks like a top 10 team next year we look at recruiting what they'll bring back i think this next year is gonna be a really possibly a special year this feels like a bridge year more than a rebuilding year but man one injury, and this team is like you. We just where they they miss one or two guys in the front court or the back court, and, and you got a real problem. And interestingly enough, Rick Barnes last week didn't slush, didn't shut the door on Yurosh uh, coming back. That was I mean, yeah, which is like weird. But what uh, if they like what they come back right before the NCAA tournament? Like, Here, you can have him now. Well, like, he did what? say he said it, 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 like in the next week and a half they want to figure it out, and if not, then he's like it's probably not worth it. You know, he's working out. You know, I think he's a guy. He would just be huge for them just because they just have yes. no, you know, as good as Fulkerson is, I don't know that anybody is asking Fulkerson, hey, go down, go down on the block and post up Fulkerson and get us a bucket. Every now and then he can do that. that. Listen, he's had some nice plays. He's had some nice little scoop shots. But Fulkerson, much like this Tennessee team, a little hard to watch at times, even if the production is there. So it's, uh, you know, you know, Urosh would be a huge pick of this guy. That, that guy that can hit you a shot at the, at the high post and knock that down. They don't really have that on this team. So. No. But, uh, and this, I'm this team assuming been, they won't until next year. Yeah, I think you're probably right. This team has been hard to watch. More so, that's, I mean, that's how Carolina game. Whew. Godspeed to those of you who uh, who paid money to to watch that ball game. This is a, you know, this is a Tennessee team that uh, they're just, you know, it's a lot. It feels like a lot of duct tape and twine. Yeah, at this but, point. But you know, you, you know, fans should embrace that too. I mean, it's, I think it's kind of a fun team to get behind. And and uh, if the bridge year results in a bid, which I still think is in play for this team, that's that's where you want your program to be. You want those lean years to still. They get, get, in, in the tournament. get into the dance. Gigantic accomplishment from this team if they get this team in the tournament. Not impossible. I don't know that yeah. I buy it just yet, but it's it's plausible. The SEC's down. I mean, the thing that I think you're right about this team is every single thing that they do 
whatever they win is going to be earned. Like, yes. every single – because, like, I don't know that there's a team in the SEC that if they line up to me, oh, Tennessee, oh, they can't win this game. But then I don't know there's – maybe A&M and Vandy, maybe. Well, now that Vanderbilt has lost Aaron Neesmith, yeah. that, that changes Saturday's game completely. Yeah, uh, those are the only teams yeah. where they play them, you're like, well, you should win that game. There's probably not very many games where Tennessee, no. like, absolutely should win. It's oh, like, no. you got to just – Throw it up, yeah, <laughs> hustle every, it every and, night, and you gotta hope you can play well and hit some shots. That's basically what you're hoping if you're Tennessee at this point. Yep. What do you uh, What do you want to see out of this team? What What has to happen for them to, to make that tournament run? Well, the thing is, that's the thing. The SEC is not as good as we thought it would be this year, so there's actually less opportunity. You know, there's some teams that we thought would be a lot better. Florida was supposed to be a top five team, for example, and it's nope. just not. <laughs> yeah, it's just not what they are. Kentucky is not uh, as good as, as we thought. I thought. I thought. In fact, I think I picked Kentucky to win it all. I thought they had the nice mix of what they had coming in, and then well, there's returnees. no good teams. I'd hold on to that ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, you know, I think, but that also means. I think there are probably more nights where you can get it done. And I look, the the win over Washington is going to to travel to March. And you know, of course, they lost quite a green, which hurts them. So that'll hurt their bottom line. But people will know mm-hmm. in the committee room. They talk about every single thing. They talk about when you play a team, what they had. That that win will travel. And I know the Vols will be different too. But you know, it's it's you got to be. I mean, don't also even though this game was ugly, don't underrate Frank Martin's ability to make a basketball game look ugly. Heck of a coach, but his teams yep. are going to make you squeeze blood out of a turnip to get like uh, uh, six inches of you know open space to shoot a jump shot. I mean, that's just how they have to play and how they play. So there will be better nights. I thought they looked a lot more fluid against Missouri on the road, and there will mm-hmm. be better nights like that where they actually look like more of a potent offensive team. But, yeah, it's just, you know, the turnovers have got to come down, the defensive – connectedness has to be better and and i think that'll also be with viscovi you know playing more and yeah like you said it's it really is one of those things where like if you're not 100 percent effort and focus then you're going to lose if you're this team you don't have a margin for error but i also think i mean look rick barnes gets good things out of his team so it's gonna i think it's gonna be fun to watch Mm -hmm. well that'll do it for this week's episode joe thanks for joining us nashville's finest uh should be an interesting week. I'll be popping around here. And uh, ASCA convention is always interesting. No no Tennessee coaches doing a whole lot of talking this week uh, in terms of presentations or anything like that. But uh, folks are around. <laughs> say, say hi to Butch for me. Yeah, people like to talk at these things. So uh, I'll be doing some talking talking back to them. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Again, I'm your host, David Ubbin. Like the show, rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you guys again very, very soon. <laughs>